Welcome to the Level Up Podcast, brought to you by Century 21, the Harrelson Group, featuring masterminds with real estate leaders, coaches, and influencers, plus eye-opening strategy sessions with up-and-coming agents. You'll learn exactly how to go from agent to entrepreneur. And now, let's get to the latest episode of Level Up. Hey, everybody. It's Matt Johnson here. Welcome to the initial episode of Level Up, where you'll learn how to go from agent to entrepreneur. And uh, this podcast is brought to you by Century 21 and the Harrelson Group. And speaking of the Harrelson Group, we have the man himself, Greg Harrelson out of Myrtle Beach. Greg, how's it going today? Hey, man, it's awesome. I'm excited to be here again with you, Matt, and, and really excited to connect with uh, Haas once again. I know he's, uh, we're probably going to have an exciting conversation. Him and I kind of get pretty intense, and we, we'll probably feed off each other, so I'm ready to go. <laughs> and, and Haas Pratt, how's, how's it going today? I'm good, man. Thanks for having me, guys. I'm looking forward to sharing today and, and uh, again, helping bring value today. I, obviously, you know, with uh, leveling up and how to, how to make the next 12 months better than today, I think it's going to be a direct conversation that um, a lot of us need to have that I'm looking forward to having with y'all. Very cool. And just in case anybody's hiding under a rock and doesn't know who you are, Haas, why don't you give us a little 60-second bio on on where you're at and what you spend most of your time doing? Yeah, so I, I, I'm a lead generation, lead conversion expert. I, I train and coach agents all over the country. I have different training programs and products and books to help do that, uh, conferences and seminars. And we have agents in all 50 states and internationally. We, our goal and what we, we exist to help them build better businesses, and especially in the new era, in an industry that's going through turbulence and changing. How do we reposition ourselves and our offers and grow our business during that time? And that's really what we specialize today. And today, I'll make sure that hopefully we give you guys as much of that possibly that we can where you can go out there and implement it in your business right away. And, and Greg, same question for you. Since this is the yeah. the initial episode of the podcast, I want to make sure that people are familiar with, with you and where you're at and what you spend most of your time doing. Yeah, so uh, Century 21, the Harrelson Group in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, also have some uh, Century 21 offices in Charleston, South Carolina. And, uh, you know, listen, I've been uh, around the uh, block for 20 plus years selling real estate. And right now I'm really just focusing my time on developing talent. So I, I train and I coach. I just, of course, coach agents that are, that are inside one of my companies versus being an outside coaching company. Um, but my whole goal is to bring people in the business, teach them how to be agents, teach agents how to be top producers, and then turn top producers into entrepreneurs. So that's kind of where I am now and how we got to this place. Very cool. Well, well, let's dive into that a little bit. The the progression of going from agent to entrepreneur, because that's really what the show is all about. And uh, we're coming as a recording this, if you're, if you're watching this on YouTube or listening to us on iTunes, whatever the case is, we recorded this in November of 2016. This is the point where agents should be business planning for the next year. Greg, what's your recommendation and what, what would your strategy be And when you coach your agents and take them through that progression of business planning? What, what does that look like? And are you referring to going from agent to entrepreneur? Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. So, so why I look at it is when you know when you come into the business, you want to be a great agent. Well, to me, a great agent is somebody who's going to have is going to be um, understand the process and have mastered the core components of building a real estate foundation. In other words, like core things like lead generation. You know, it's important. Listing presentations, follow-up, negotiations, price reductions, you know, all those things. There's some, there's about five fundamental things that you've got to master in order to have a great foundation. And once you have a great foundation, then you can start building up. And then, you know, so you got you become a great agent in my mind when you've got a great foundation, when you when you've mastered the core fundamentals of the and then you can start building into entrepreneurship 
entrepreneur and you do it with systems, more systems and more systems. Okay. Excellent. All right. So, so you talked about lead generation, negotiation, listing presentation, price modifications, things like that, client, client service things. Those, those are the four or five things to really get mastered at first. Yep. In, in your experience, if you have the right coaching, the right training, the right mindset, how quickly can the agent really get up to speed on the major fundamentals to know when they need to start pushing themselves into that next jump? Yeah. So let's, let's just take an agent that I was just recently, uh, that I brought into the company, got his license in December of 2015. So really started January 1st, January 2nd of 2016, has already closed 40 transactions, was not a real estate agent prior to getting, you know, to come into the company. So what did this person do? What this person did is while they were in their real estate class, getting their, their actual listing or their, uh, their, their license, they were already mastering the scripts. They had already had my script book. And within two weeks of being a, a, a member of our company, a licensed agent, they had already memorized all of the scripts. They knew just sold, just listed, for sale by owner, rent bow, you know, handling objections. They were already masters at the script within two weeks of being licensed. So yeah. from that standpoint, then I can go in there and say, hey, how about this? Now, uh, what's interesting about newer agents is you can tell them anything and they actually believe like it's normal, right? Because they don't, they haven't been around, right? right. So, I, I, you know, I could sit there and say, now that you've mastered the scripts, now go make 50 contacts a day. And they don't look at me all weird. They're like, okay, how long is that going to take? Oh, I don't know. It'll take you five or six hours. Okay. <laughs> and that they don't have anything else to do. So now what you've got is you got somebody in their first month who's mastered their scripts and making 50 contacts a day and failing every single day, right? And then they're coming to me and say, hey, I just failed again. That gave me an opportunity to coach them. Hey, I just failed again. I gave me another opportunity to coach them. Next thing you know, 90 days later, they have their first success. Then they have their first sale. And now all of a sudden their inventory is building and building and building. So I think the whole first year is all about becoming the best agent you can be. The second year is now is about, because the conversations I'm having with him about 2017 is doing 80 to 100 transactions in his second year. So mm -hmm. now we're talking about, he's already been a great agent, you know, first year, second year, let's talk about being a top producer. Third year, let's talk about building a team and being an entrepreneur. Mm -hmm. All right. So, so let's bring in Haas on this. So you're, you're the, from coming from the lead generation side, does that, does that jive with what you're seeing in terms of how long it takes to really ramp up and master certain aspects of lead generation so you can start making that jump? Yeah, totally. And I love what, uh, I mean, I, I always love hearing Greg is, you know, our, we, we believe the same thing you yeah. know, in a lot of ways. I know, you know, Greg is not scared of the phone and neither am I. And both of us have made hundreds of thousands of phone calls. And, and, and that's what it takes. So the first year of anybody, you know, I, I say that what you want to do is you go through the four levels of learning. And number one, I'm going to take this out for a minute. Number one is, is you don't know. Once we know, right? So you, if you don't know, you don't know what you don't know. Mm -hmm. So you're in the business. That's why new people are great because they don't know what they don't know. Where the next level is now, you know, right? And so, you know the information, you know the scripts. When Greg says, here, new agent, here's the script, go call the Fizbos, they go do it. Now they know the script. But the third level, your first year is the most important, which is experience, right? So experience what you know. So the first year, be obsessed with just doing it, doing it, doing it, doing it. Do it more than you've ever thought about doing it and just 
do the experience of what you know. Say the scripts that you get. Practice that to where then the fourth level becomes a skill. And I believe that your first year in anything, and especially in real estate, but even your second year, is you want to develop the skill. And the only way you develop the skills is if you experience what you know enough. The hundreds of thousands of calls, you know, the 10,000-hour rule, as they say. But this four-level learning is something that is important. Where most people, Matt, they like to skip the experience, right? They just like to know everything but not experience what they know. Yeah. yeah. Right? And so this third level of experience, I think, is is so crucial because you want your goal the first year uh, is to develop the skills, specific skills, prospecting, lead generation, conversion. But that'll probably get you to 10 million. And then once you get to 10 million, you're going to have to learn the skill of leadership, um, delegating, growing other people, helping other people, which, and I think at every level you have skills that you have to learn and develop. I mean, I don't know everything. I'm developing and learning skills right now that I didn't have before. And I think we do at every level. So I think that's an important distinction. Yeah, I think that's true. Because if you really, if you really commit and you look at your business as a business, you realize that a, a healthy business grows. You cannot stop it from growing if it really is healthy. Uh, and I think that's that's part of the thing. The struggle for people is really committing to this is the way it is. I'm always in a growth phase. I'm always in some phase of learning and failing, like you talked about, Greg. And if you're not in that phase, you're not growing and you're not really an entrepreneur. You've just created a job for yourself. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you're either moving forward or you're or you're moving backwards because there there is no like, you know, uh, there's no neutral in life. You're either growing or you're dying. That's that's just it. Period. You know, I think another thing might be interesting, uh, Haas and, and Matt, is like we just gave an explanation of like that first year, right? Breaking through and becoming a, a top agent from the perspective of somebody that's already done it or a coach, right? Mm-hmm. So let's talk about for a minute, though, what is the perspective of the agent who's scared to death that they just left a certain job, they just get their license, they're in the business, they've got Haas sitting here saying, you need to make a bunch of contacts, you need to, um, you need to generate all these skills. Then they, make, they get the skills, or at least they memorize some scripts. They get on the phone, and the first month, they get nothing. The second month, they get nothing. The third month, they may get, like, a possibility. Like, we got to understand, like, what they're going through emotionally when they're listening to us tell them to do these things. They're sitting here saying, I wonder if it works. Well, the first month, they're like, you know, thanks, Haas. I really appreciate you gave me all this information. And then the second month, they're like, well, I think Haas knows what he's doing. I mean, he gave me this information. I'm, I, I'm, I'm doing what he says. I haven't got anything, but he told me I wasn't going to get anything. And then the third month, they're like, man, I don't know if Haas knows what he's talking about. I've been doing everything he says, and I haven't got anything. I, I think I'm going to have to change gears. Maybe I'm going to have to listen to somebody else's message. And then all of a sudden, Haas, I'm sure you see this in your coaching. If they will just stick through it past that 90-day period of time, all of a sudden, all of the things that they did for the last 30 days, momentum will be generated. And around the 120 mark, all of a sudden, they think Haas is a genius. Like, oh, <laughs> Oh my God, Haas, you're right. I can't believe it really happened. So my message here is to, for anybody, whether you're a new agent or whether you're an agent that's plateaued and you're looking to break through, what it, what you really need to focus on is setting a 90-day plan, making a 90-day commitment, following a process, and be assured if you'll stick with it for 90 days, momentum will kick in and you'll get the payoff in the fourth month. 
thoughts on that, Haas? Because I know you're, no, I, you're more yeah, in the coaching business. Yeah, no, I think you're spot on. I think that number is different for everybody. In my case, you guys, I'll tell you, my, I was that guy. I made the calls. I, I, I was a new agent when I moved to Dallas. I didn't know anybody. I made three to five hours of calls a day. And I never in my first six months, I blew, I blew $50,000. I didn't take a single listing, didn't set a single appointment. I did not work a single buyer. It was brutal. Like it was brutal. And I was, and I was at this fork in the road, man, what do I do? What what do I, what, who who do I need to be going after? What do I need to change? I discovered FISBOs and expireds and I started going after FISBOs and expireds. I didn't find them until my six month in. But after I found them to 30 days later, I had 30 listings and it flipped like that. So like stick to the thing that you're doing, uh, but also leverage where, who you're going after with your strengths. Like for example, FISBOs and expires were my thing, you know, and, um, and I was seeking and I found them and that's when everything turned around for me. Um, before that I was just going door to door as a completely different, uh, different set of skills. But I'll, I'll tell you guys this to add to it. Your goal is to become a skillionaire before you become a millionaire. Mm. And, and that's what I tell people that, you know, people who want to be a millionaire, they get in the business. I'm like, well, you got to take the first step. That's become a skillionaire. And then that kind of, they kind of understand that. Right. And it's, yeah. it's stacking, it's skill stacking, stack skills, learn how to get people to tell you, yes, learn how to differentiate yourself from everybody else, because it'll equip you with the, with, with the words to say and have, in the passion, the energy, when you're communicating with what you do, all those things are important and all those things you should learn at the beginning. Yeah. That's awesome. Skillionaire. I'm taking that from you. I, I knew you'd like that. <laughs> yeah. I love it. Yeah. You, you, you can have it. Skillionaire. Yeah. He's, he's, on, go, he's on GoDaddy right now. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I just bought the domain. <laughs> yeah. oh, I think I already bought the domain, but you know, you know. <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. No, but seriously, that, that, like that phrase skill stacking is one of the best things yeah. I've ever heard because I think one of the, the the hard things to to explain to anyone that's new in any business, regardless of what it is, is that it it takes that that skills, the combination of a certain skills to get the deals to actually come through. And it's right. all these different disparate, it's the people skills, it's business systems, it's all this stuff. It's very scattered. Uh, and it's it's hard to get all those things to come together. You have to build those skills up kind of on the fly. It's like learning to fly a plane uh, when somebody just said, hey, go have fun. Here's a plane. Um you know, Matt, I got a funny story on this. I remember it like it was yesterday. I was in my, when I first got in real estate, I was in my early twenties. I was in Las Vegas and I was, I was a Keller Williams agent and I was in a limousine with, uh, with one of my mentors and, and he goes, Hey man, before, before we go to the airport, we got to go pick up Mark Willis. And, and I, Mark Willis is the CEO at the time of Keller Williams Realty. And I was like, are you kidding me? Like he's going to be in the limo with us. We're going to the airport. He's like, yeah. And he gets in, and I'm sitting there with my mentor and Mark Willis, and I'll never forget it. And my mentor goes, Mark, what's your advice to Haas? He's new in real estate, but he's doing well. He's got he's a listing agent. He's he's got 60 listings right now. What's your advice to him? And here's and I will never forget Mark Willis's advice to me. He goes, What's your personality? I said, I'm a high DI. He goes, he goes, I could have guessed. And he goes, understand that you're going to be tired and bored of doing what it takes every day to go out there and do this business. At the moments that you're bored and you're tired and you want to stop and you think about there's something else that you need to be doing. There's other places you need to be. I want you to just always focus on the more obsessed with being bored you are in the moment, the more success, the successful you're going to have. 
be obsessed with being bored and be obsessed with do, continuing to do the same thing over and over and over and over again. He goes, I see so many people that are, that have potential. They want to be successful, but they do it for a little bit. Then they get bored. They go on to the next thing. And so piggybacking on what, you know, what Greg said about the 90 days also have that in your mind of what my, you know, what Mark's advice to me was that that in my early twenties was be obsessed with being bored. Don't think that there's a better place that you need to be, or there's other things that you need to be doing that are better use of your time. Do the things that are required and, and actually do them and, and eliminate all your thoughts as to why you shouldn't be doing them. And it's always a constant struggle, but it'll be one that it helped me tremendously. Um, and I think it'll help a lot of you guys too, you listeners that pick that up. Yeah. You know, that, that is, that's an awesome, you know, an awesome tip. And in the, the way that I've heard it in the past was you've got to master repetitious boredom. That's right. You got to master. You got to be the master of repetitious boredom. And I That's always right. think I don't know. You know, the, maybe not everyone. Uh, everyone knows who Michael Jordan is. It doesn't matter how old you are. You know who Michael Jordan is. But I don't know that everyone will remember. There was a day, a game where Michael Jordan went into the game. He was on the free throw line, and he closed his eyes and shot a free throw, and he made it. Now that takes guts. You're in a live game. You close your eyes purposefully. Everyone knows that you've got your eyes closed. You're on TV with your eyes closed and you sink it. Now, here's the key. The reason why he even had confidence to do that is because for years and years and years, he mastered repetitious boredom. And what it looked like for him is shooting free throws over and over and over again every single day. If you think of the legends the people that are going to go down as legends in our world. It doesn't matter if it's a golfer, if it's a tennis player, if it's a basketball player. What, the reason why they got to this is because they all mastered repetitious boredom. And in our business, repeating contacts. If you master that, everything else will fall into place. Amen. And that's right here, right? So like Michael Jordan, experience, 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 where it becomes a skill. Once it's a skill, you can pick up a phone like I can and like you can, Greg, and I can set any appointment I want to take. I can do it. So can you because it's a skill. When it's a skill, you can get out there and shoot the free throw or the, you know, from half court and make it with your eyes closed because you've done the work and it becomes a skill. You should always be work on stacking your skills and, and doing the work that it takes necessary to do that. Awesome. Great, great, great nuggets for, for those that are listening. Yeah. Very, very cool. All right. So let's talk about that, that jump again, get back to that a little bit, because so let's say you've, you've gone through that process, you have mastered the boredom and you really do have a business that's humming along. You have your lead gen, or maybe let's say you have a a couple of lead generation pillars in place. So then the question becomes, okay, well, how, how do I level up and what's the highest impact ways to go about doing that? So let's take the average agent. Let's say, let's say they're doing 25 transactions a year uh, or maybe a little bit more. They're kind of maxed out on their own time. They need to start leveling up and move to that next level beyond what they can do just themselves. So what does that next progression look like, Greg? Well, well, for me, the first thing that I would want to know uh, about somebody is I'd want to know their numbers. I'd want to know their ratios. So like, let's just assume for a moment, somebody's doing 20 to 25 transactions. And I, I would say, well, where, what are your lead sources? What are the pillars? First thing I'm going to go to is what is your pillars? Well, you know, I'm working my centers of influence and my friends and centers of influence. And I do a little bit of for sale by owners. 
Okay, that's fine. That's fantastic. Well, what are your ratios? How many contacts does it take to get an appointment? How many appointments does it take to get a listing? So I want to know that because before we start stacking on additional pillars that we're going to have to now learn all these Mm -hmm. skills, I want to make sure that we're optimizing the things that we're doing at the moment. So if somebody says to me, I'm doing some for sale by owners and, and, you know, I have to call 10 to get one appointment, then I'm immediately going to say, well, how can we get that to like five to get one appointment? And then I'm going to focus on, now I know what Haas is going to tell him, right? You got to stack skills, stack the skills, right? Because that's exactly how we're going to change the ratio from 10 to five. Because if you change your, if you're making 10 contacts, getting one appointment, or you're making 10 contacts and getting, um, getting uh, two appointments, it's the same amount of time invested into lead generation. So before we start like adding on and building on systems and all and complicating this thing, I want to optimize first. Now we've optimized for sale by owners. Then I may want to add expireds. Okay. Because a lot of times in the beginning, what you'll find is somebody will find a comfort zone with a particular type of business. Well, I love working my centers of influence, right? It feels good. And then what they do is they keep trying to optimize, 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 and they get it to a point where it's a diminishing return. Well, then they need to add another pillar. But the fear is, is now they go back to, I don't know. They go back to all the way from the beginning to need to, to, to learn how to do it again. So that's really where I'm going to go. I'm going to look at where their sources are, see if I can optimize and get more juice, get more, more, more profit out of something they're already doing. And then I'm going to go and start adding additional dimensions to their business and then optimize those. And quite frankly, I'm going to probably do that if I was um, you know, developing an agent in my office. That's, that, that, that could go on for five or six years until they could do 400 and 500 transactions. Interesting. All right, Haas, what does that process look like for you? No, it's true. And I, and Greg, I know that uh, for you, I mean, you know, I know that you're a, a listing guy and, you know, and, and that was a main focus. It was for me. Like I'd never worked a buyer in my life I, ever. <laughs> I, I haven't, like I've only listed homes. And, and I remember whenever I was, and, and, and I think personalities have a lot to do with this. So if you haven't already taken a disc personality test, that's the, for sure do it. Unless Greg, you guys have something else that you offer, but like, you want to know what your strengths are. And, and I would say that, that we all have different uh, pr- uh, preferences as far as what pillar we go after. Typically it's based on our preference. For example, your expireds, typically your high D's love expireds because it's a more aggressive approach where FISBOs, your eyes typically thrive in that type of environment where I started going after FISBOs and I'm a DI, but I remember calling FISBOs and calling him and calling him, calling him. I was listening to him. I was successful. I hit the point where it was like 25 listings a month is about all I could take from FISBOs. Like I'd take 21 month, then I'd take 30 and I'd take 21, then 29. Like it was always about 25 average a month and, and I couldn't get past it. So I'm like, okay, now that system is mastered. I'm rocking that thing. It's in place. I have those skills. I can convert them. The next thing is, is, is expires. And I started going after expires. I remember Wow, these are two different worlds. These yes. are this is like black and white. Two these are opposite. My approach with the Fizbos was completely different with the approach of expires. And I went through what Greg just said, that experience of wow, it really truly is a different set of skills to convert the Fizbo as converting the the the, the, the expired. And it's true. And so don't get it twisted and think that every, put them all in one pool. I'll give you an example of this. You guys, I was at, I, I was listening to 
I was actually at church. I was at church in a sermon. This guy, my preacher was talking about, you know, it, it, was, it was in the Bible. In the Bible, it doesn't talk about love, love everyone. It doesn't say, hey, you got to love everybody. It says love one another, love thy neighbor. And I had this epiphany hit me when he was saying that. I go, leads are like that. You got to love the leads, baby. You got you to gotta stop looking at leads like it's all Fizbo's or all expires or all Zillow or all this, right? It, it, it take each lead, like every buyer lead you generate, for example, stop looking at it as buyer leads or online leads and know every lead has a need. And your goal is to love that one lead and don't let the rest of them pollute your focus, right? Focus on one lead at a time, love the lead, find the need in the lead and convert that lead. And, and that distinction, I think, is a big part because I think a lot of agents, I think we're a little jaded in terms of who we're going after, or how many we're putting everybody in one pool. If you change the way you think and you focus and narrow it down to this one conversation, your conversion will skyrocket because they'll, they'll hear it in your voice and, and it'll make all the difference in the world. Yeah. Interesting. You agree with that, Greg? I mean, it's, yeah. we've, you know, we talked a little bit about, uh, you know, uh, outcome detachment and, and call reluctance and things like that. So how do you balance those two approaches where you, you care deeply about their needs and that one lead and you have that front sight focus of not focusing on all the leads without having the commission breath effectively? Yeah, well, I, I think it really comes down to, first of all, if you do what Haas just said, what I, what I feel like will, a result will, will come is your confidence will build, right? If you really start zoning in on leads in general and you really start to listen to the person on the other end of the phone and you start really seeking to serve them versus seeking to serve yourself, which is commission breath, right? All of a sudden, when you st- start to really focus on the lead and focus on them, you hear different things than if you're trying to focus on getting a deal. And when you hear different things, then you're starting to have a more, a better, a better connection, communicate better with that person. And as you start to sense that you're going to instinctively have more confidence. And when you have more confidence in yourself, the consumer has more confidence in you. And then your conversion just goes through the roof. And it's really, real estate's a game of confidence. And I think what Haas is doing here is he's sharing with us some techniques to, to, to actually uh, to use. And one of the byproducts is you get more confidence through the process. That's what mm-hmm. I'm hearing. That's right. I like that. And let's talk about leadership for a second, because that, that kind of is the, the next one of the, the elements of the next level up is to develop your leadership skills. But leadership, you can start developing that with your, your clients, guys. So Haas, yeah. take me into that a little bit in, in terms of how, like, how, can, how can the individual agent start to practice their leadership skills and build the skill set of leadership when they're just dealing with their clients to prepare for that next jump when they're going to have staff down the road? All right, here's what I would do. So, and, and I think leadership is a gigantic topic as far mm-hmm. as what we could, you know what I mean? Like, how do you become a better leader? Here's what I say, though. I say you start from the beginning, and that's know who the person is on the other side. So if it's a customer, if it's a, an agent that you have recruit on your team, there's it comes back to the disc that I mentioned earlier. The best thing you could do if you want to become a better leader is master in know knowing what the four different types of personalities are and know how to communicate to each and every one of those personalities in a different way. I knew when I would go on a listing appointment as a high DI, if I was, you know, if if there were the engineer type personality, I had to change my approach, you know, and and I say that because it, it relates to the team building. When you, 
when you're hiring and let's say you're a new agent, you're going to be bringing people on. But I want you to know this, that success is science. It's a science. And, and the person that you're looking for in your ISA role fits a specific profile. The person you're looking for as a buyer agent would fit a specific profile based on their strengths and weaknesses. Don't just look for warm bodies. Know who you're looking for based on personality strengths and let the let science dictate who we hire. And then in leadership, once you know that the person in the role is scientifically set up to succeed in this position, that, that's the first step is people hire the wrong people all the time because they don't think of it that way. They just bring They just need a warm body. Oh my gosh, you say you can sell here. Here's a phone call expires, right? There's instead think of creating an avatar for every role in your position and your team. Like what's, who is the perfect buyer agent? Name that person. What is their, what's their strengths? What's their disc? What's their personality? And, and identify that because once when you have the right people in place, it's much easier to pour into those people and make them better. Mm. What makes it challenging is when you should have never hired the person in that role based on their strengths and they're, and it's like fitting a square peg in a round hole that makes leadership hard. So it starts with having the right people and that starts by knowing who we're looking for. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. I can add a few things on leadership. So I I, I just kind of jotted a few notes down here on, on leadership. First of all, my take on leadership is this, the best leaders are actually better followers. The best leaders are actually the best followers. It's too many people want to like say, claim that they're like a leader. And then I ask them, well, who's your mentor? Well, they don't have a mentor. Okay, so they're like at the tip top, right? They're like everyone's. Everyone should be looking up to them. That's a problem. I don't. I like. I I have a hard time looking up to people who claim that they're leaders, but then I ask them who their leader is, and they don't have one. So I think to be a great leader, you have to be a great follower. I mean, I've been a follower of Mike Ferry for twenty years, and I still talk to Mike every single week, even today. He is my mentor. He is my leader. But then again, I think that that's where I pull a lot of leadership skills from. I think it's from the relationship that I have to have because I'm understanding what it's like to be a follower. I think I am equipped to be a better leader. So that's just a little take on that. The second thing that I I wrote down here is you've got to care about the person on the other side of the table as a person. You don't need to be caring about the transaction. You have to care about that person, whether somebody on your team, you need like a a great leader will know that the the person on their team has children, their ages, they'll know what they're into, what sports they play. Like they care about the person as a person, not as a business transaction or a business relationship. The importance of that is this, is when you care about them, because they're just them, not because what you can get from them, they start to trust you. They start to open up to you. There's more of an intimate relationship there. There's more of a bond there. And that will allow them to feel comfortable at vulnerable times. That will help them become more comfortable with being transparent and sharing what's really going on in their world. That's probably keeping them from advancing. And and, and a lot of times, if that that connection's not there, they won't tell you. And if they don't tell you, guess what? You're going to have a hard time leading them. And then the last thing that I would say is about about leaders. And this could go into leading buyers and sellers. The best leaders ask the most questions and make the least amount of statements. 
<laughs> that is a great quote. And now we're all just going to shut up for the rest of the podcast. Yes, there we go. <laughs> <laughs> no, I love that. Uh, somebody said, I remember who, um, I was a friend of mine. He's a high level coach in the recruiting industry. Uh, he said the one who, uh, the one who thinks the conversation went the best is the one who talked the most. Mm. So if you let the other people <laughs> say the most, they come out of that conversation with the best impression of you thinking that the conversation went well. So I love that quote. Wow. But anyway, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so before we get like even higher level and talk about maybe the future of, of real estate and lead generation and kind of where things are going as we sit now in 2016, I want to get take a, a second to go really, really practical and nuts and bolts for a second. Let's get back to the disc profile. And Haas, you mentioned something really, really briefly and talking about the difference between expireds and FISBOs kind of a, a appealing to different areas of the uh, of the disc profile, which I've never heard anybody. I've, I, I always hear FISBOs and expireds lumped together, right? That you have to be super high D to go after them. I've never heard them split up that way. I'm curious if you have anything else uh, as far as high impact lead generation pillars that appeal to different aspects of the disc profile. So once people get their assessment done, they can kind of have a little matrix that they can go to and say, okay, if I'm a high I, if I'm an IS, maybe I should look at this. If I'm a DC, I should look at these areas. Um, sure. Anything like that. Yeah. So like, I'll give you an example. I I had a, I, I coach a lot and I still coach a lot. And the reason I do just because I mean, it's what I do, right. I mean, I help, help people. I help them grow their business. And, and this guy sends me his disc test and he goes, here, Hoss, um, I'm, I want you to look at this. It's a friend of mine who just got in real estate. What is your advice? And I said, well, schedule a call them. I'll talk to him and fill out this disc. And he sends me his disc and his, and his D is here, his I is here, and his S and C are like way up here. And I'm like, dang, man, I wish you would have talked to me before you got in real estate. You know, <laughs> but, uh, but I'm looking at it and he goes, and I, and I was trying to help him. He goes, what, who should I go after with my, you know, with, with my disc like, like this? I go, well, think about this. If you go after FISBOs expires, you don't have enough D or I, you're always going to be with the, going through the struggle of, I hate this. Why am I doing this? I shouldn't be doing this. It's going to be super uncomfortable. So you could do that, but just know your goal and your strengths to get that DNI up, especially when you're on the phone or face to face. But your S and C are so high, you're going to be able to provide a lot of data and information to people more than I would ever desire to or or would, uh, because that's not me. Where so think about a niche that you could go after, like investors, for example. You could give investors enough information and reporting and details to make a wise decision on if it's commercial real estate, if it's residential real estate, but and you would probably really enjoy that process. That's an example, right? High SC. Well, who do I go after? Well, investors. Why? Because that's, you know, they need numbers, they need information, they need all that. And that's, you know, that person would be able to provide the, the data where a DI with no SC, I mean, those people, a D typically is more direct, more, um, more daring, more dominant. So going after the expires where it's more relentless, more brutal, more no holds barred, take your gloves off. It works for them where if you put a high eye in that situation, they get their feelings hurt. They think that, you know, they get that fear of rejection thing going because the high eyes don't like that rejection thing. The D's can handle it. And so the eyes love FISBOs. Typically they thrive in FISBOs because FISBOs answer their phone. They yip yak. They talk forever about their house. That's what the eyes love. Right. So you have these different strengths, but then you have, let's say, sphere of influence. And I think that that's one that is 
that that is universal to every personality because it comes down to relationships. And regardless of who you go after based on your strengths in the habit met market, um, focus on the met market because that's where that's where it's at. Like, and it's where I know we're getting the real estate of the future, but that is the future of doing business and serving the people um, that already know you like you and, and they trust you. Yeah, that, that's a great point. I'd love to dig into that. But quickly, before we get into that, Greg, what's your perspective on how you help and, and evaluate agents when they first come in and find the right lead gen lever for them? Yeah, so I, you know, I, I would, I agree with everything that Haas said on the lead gen lever. So let me add this part to it, just kind of an additional layer. Is one of the things that I see people struggling with is should I work with buyers or should I work with sellers? Okay. You know, am I a seller? Am I, should I be a listing agent or should I be a buyer's agent? I mean, there's buyer's agents out there right now doing 30 transactions and they're like wondering why are they always like, they're, they're always so frustrated and it's, they're exhausted. Right. And they're, they're always wondering, gosh, maybe I should be a listing agent. And then there's listing agents out there that are doing, that are doing a good bit of business wondering, man, I'm sick of working with these, these sellers. They're, you know, there's always, they're always complaining. Maybe I need to work with buyers. Here's, here's, here's what I've seen through my years of experience is we know that buyers buy off lot of, of emotion and sellers sell off logic. Okay. Buyers buy off of emotion and sellers sell off logic. So if you're somebody who likes to listen to logical explanations and likes to present in a logical manner, you're probably going to have a great time working with sellers. If you're more of an expressive personality, maybe, maybe you were a cheerleader or something like that, you know, when you were in, in high school or college and you're a little bit emotional, you know, like you get really excited and, and you're one of those that are saying, I just love selling to first time home buyers because I mean, it's almost like I'm buying the house myself. Like that's all emotion. There's no logic in that. Right. And that's not bad or good. But I see that they make fantastic buyer agents because they can relate. The buyer is making an emotional purchase and the real estate agent who can get into that emotional, you know, kind of conversation and get in and feel comfortable in that does very well. And then at the same token, the people that are like like me, I'm like, man, this is real estate transaction is a, it's, there's not much difference in trading stocks. You're buying paper. We're looking at a market. We're looking at data and we're making decision. We may go look at the piece of real estate to make sure it's really there. And maybe it's like up to the, the standard that it needs to be, but we're really buying it on paper. That's a logical conversation that's supported by data. And somebody who's going to be a little bit more logical by nature is going to do very well with listing presentation. So I'll just kind of leave it there instead of get too much into the, to the disc. I think Haas covered that, but I think buyers buy off emotion. So if you're a little bit more expressive, you're probably going to be um, very, do very well in that area. Sellers sell off logic. So if you're a logical presenter, you're probably going to do really well with sellers. Yeah, I can see Haas's skin crawling over there. Just thinking about the, all the emotion <laughs> of helping, getting into yeah. that, that river of emotion of helping somebody buy a house. I'm so I emotional mean, can, too. Can, yeah, I, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, can't, can't you just see like Haas going to the closing table, working with a first time home buyer and having tears because he's just so happy that they found the home of their dreams. I mean, I get it. I see it. Haas. Yes, I see, yeah. you, know, you know, what's crazy, you guys, is this. I, I rented whenever I was selling real estate because I was single, no kids. Right. So I rented for many years. And so I sold a lot of homes and I never bought one. And I will never forget the day that I bought my first home and me thinking, crap, man, I missed it. I had no idea 
how emotional this process was. I had no clue. And I really didn't. And it hit me like it was this epiphany. And I said, if I knew that, I would have been a 10 times better agent because I would have taken things to put them in place for buyers when they were going through that process to soothe those nerves, to help them with those emotions that, that let's say necessarily may not be my strength, but I, like I would have a system for that in place now. I mean, cause it is an emotional time for buyers as they're going through that. Yeah. yeah awesome. Very, very true. All right. So let's get, uh, let's get into the conversation of the, of the future of real estate. Cause also you mentioned something where the, the, going to the pool of people you have met, the people that already know, like, and trust you, and then your center of influence, whatever you want to call it, that's the future. So share a little bit about your perspective on that. What does that mean? Well, okay. Well, the, the future of real estate, I don't think any of us know. I think we all have a good idea. At least some people, some of us have a good idea, especially, you know, like people that are in it every day. Like every day, you guys, I, I talk to some people that are smarter than me. I'm like, Greg, I mean, I don't know it all. I'm just a student and I just share with what I've learned. And I ask that question every day to smart people, smart people. Where's the future of real estate? Where is it going? And I think everybody agrees that uh, the value uh, has got to increase because because the in real estate, you know, back in the day, you know, Greg, you probably remember this when the three, you know, when whenever uh, the MLS was in a three ring binder. Yeah. Right. So you show up, you're like, hey, I want to buy a house. Well, guess what? You got to go see Greg with a three ring binder and he's going to go through this and he's going to go. Okay, this house fits, this house. So the value exchange is tremendous. No longer does that the case where now they already have the information when they come to the agent in most cases. And so number one, my advice is, is stop competing on data. Don't use the MLS anymore as a, as a value differentiator to separate you. And I'll, I'll, I'll get into what you need to do, but think less about the data, more on the expertise. Brag more about the things that you do every single day, like negotiate, like select properties, like market homes, like you brag more. I say brag. You talk more about those skill sets that you have that you never talk about now. Like negotiation is one that yeah. is a skill set that anybody that doesn't have an agent. I mean, that's a blind spot that they that they have that. Look, we need a negotiation expert. And so many agents, you guys listening to this, you don't do enough to talk about that. And so I think that the future of real estate is, um, I think that the marketplace is going to demand the agent to be the expert. I think that there's going to be less agents in the future, more experts, uh, true experts, because we need the boots on the ground, but we need localized experts that are experts on the local marketplace. And so produce and create content, training, videos, you name it, on your local marketplace and let that be something that you start doing now because you want to build your digital asset library to be able to provide that value to your leads, prospects, and your customers in the future. Now, I'll pass it to Greg here, but one of the things that's important on your sphere of influence and the people that know you is because through this process, you're, uh, the lead the, the, the value, the, the, the cost of acquiring a lead will go up and it's going to continue to increase where, you know, you guys know that it costs more to generate leads today than it did it once did. So the lifetime value of the client is what you want to focus on. So once we go after, let's say I haven't met, let's say I work hard to get that, that, that FISBO, I listed it, I converted it. Now they're a past client. Now that's just the beginning. You want to get more transactions out of this person. So don't think about the initial transaction. Think about the next transaction and the transaction after that. 
and think about the lifetime value uh, because the cost mm-hmm. to acquire the leads and the, it, it will, will continue to increase. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a great point. Great point. So the future of real estate, like uh, Haas says, who knows? You know, who knows? Um, one thing that I that I, I like what Haas is saying, and I know we agree agree on is, you know, stop focusing in so much on, you know, providing the the information on listings and whatnot. It's no longer about information. It's about interpretation. So, you know, there is still a value in interpretation. So everyone has the information. I mean, I can get a phone call today and somebody could say, hey, Greg, you know, I'd like to sell my home and I've already been on Zillow and Realtor.com and all these other websites. And I see that five homes like mine sold for $500,000. So I'd love to like, you know, see if I could get 500, 525 for mine. And, you know, I, I do need to sell the property fairly quickly. Okay. And so there's the key. The, the, the key is I need to sell it fairly quickly. Well, then we go look at the data, say they are correct. Five properties did sell for $500,000 with an average price, with an average days on market of 245 days. So now there's an opportunity for us to deliver value because yes, that price may, 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 may be something they could obtain, but they might not be able to get that price within that particular time frame. And that's where we can demonstrate or we can interpret the data and give them an extra layer of information that will influence their decision. And quite frankly, may have saved them thousands and thousands of dollars because if they were doing a job relocation or something like that, and they had two houses that they had to fund, if we actually let them know it's going to be an eight month uh, sell cycle and they decide, well, no, I don't want $500,000 more anymore. I'll take 475 to have it done in 30 days. That's where we can offer an interpretation of the data. And all of a sudden they're thanking us for, for, for showing them why they need to price their property more aggressive to meet their timeframe goals. So there's my play on the, the information for, uh, you know, versus interpretation. The thing though, that I, I think about, um, when it comes to lead generation, you know, and, and the future of real estate, yes, leads are going to cost more. That's just going to continue to happen. But the thing that I want to offer today is we got to be thinking multi-channel, multi-channel, multi-channel marketing is going to be critical for those that want to really take their business to the next level, you know, coming up in the next few years, because everything's on the internet, right? I mean, and, and listen, I'm not a big guy that says, man, you can make a lot of money selling real estate off of Facebook. I don't, I haven't figured that out, you know, but somebody's going to figure that out. But by the time somebody figures that out, next thing you know, Snapchat, you know, everyone's sitting here, Snapchat, that's for just the kids. You know, my teenagers are on Snapchat. Yes, they are. But in a couple more years, those teenagers are going to be in the marketplace or those or Snapchat's going to evolve. And all of a sudden, it's going to play a significant role. There's so many things changing. So what I think we ought to do is we ought to like when when Haas said the Mets versus the unmets, we need to take those Mets. Not only do we need to consistently call them, but we need to consistently communicate through social channels. We need to consistently communicate through email channels. We need to consistently communicate via LinkedIn. We, in other words, we've got to take a smaller pool of people and we got to communicate from multiple different channels so we can be the person that they're thinking of. Listen, it's noisy. It's a noisy world on the internet and it's just going to get louder. I'm not, I don't really say you need to get louder, 
but you need to draw, you need to capture more of their attention and you're going to have to do it by multi-channel marketing versus just thinking that your one way that you're doing it right now is going to be enough because somebody else is going to do multi-channel and and they're going to basically steal your centers of influence database right from out from uh, just as if they hacked your computer they're just going to take it right from you <laughs> You know what's crazy, Greg? It's like this to add to that. It's like, look, I'm sure, I mean, maybe people, everybody knows, but like you could take your entire database, upload them into Facebook in yes. the back end and say, I want, I want this entire list to see this ad. And the only time that they, that you, that they, they charge you is when that person clicks. I tell people all the time, look, always have an ad run into your sphere because when they're scrolling, I want them to see my mug, man. I want like right there, the impression. And that's one little thing that, that is a gigantic thing that everybody needs to be doing. You need to have, be targeting your sphere on Facebook, but by giving them more value, giving things away, give them something away, offer something, give, 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 and always be in front of them. I couldn't agree with you more. Multi-channel. Yes. Yeah. Give and then let the law of reciprocity take place. Sure. Yep. Yeah, and and that's that's the point of that I, I was hoping that you'd get across, Greg, which is which is the mindset shift between the, the mindset of going after expireds or fizbos or anything like that, where you are going out into the world at large, people that don't know you, like your trustee, they have no idea who you are, then trying to find the need, then persuade them to work with you is very very difficult and very expensive, and, and getting more expensive. So what you guys are saying is the future of real estate is to put your effort into expanding the pool of ideal clients that know who you are before you, before they have the need come up. Then when they do have the need come up, you are the natural person they turn to. You identify the need. Like you talked about this, Greg, before the, the, the process is not just lead conversion. It's lead identification, building yes. up the database, identifying the people in the database that should be raising their hands or are raising their hands for help, then go to them and present yourself. And they already know who you are. There's already trust. There's already likability there. Yeah. You know, you got, we got to protect the relationships we already have because everyone's going after our relationships. I've got, you know, and we all will have great friends that let's call them centers of influence. They are being hit every single day by our competition. Okay. And, you know, and, and just, just through the number of times that they're hit, there's going to be fallout. Somebody's going to luck out and do some business with one of my centers of influence. And, and the more that I feel comfortable that, that my centers of influence are going to come to me just because they're my friends, the more comfortable and, 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 and the more I feel like that, the more risks that I'm taking. So I think we we're both saying that we need to take care of those people first, make sure that we've got good systems in place for community communication, deliver value, give, 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 and then have other, um, you know, strategies to continue to add to that database. Right now, let's say uh, you got 500 people in your centers of influence, go focus on how you're going to take care of them. Put all of them in a custom audience on Facebook and, and once a month, make sure that you're running some sort of a, a, a post to them. That's one way to take care of them. Give them a call once a quarter, email them a newsletter once a month, you know, maybe once a quarter, send a just sold postcard or a, or a quarterly update as to what's going on in the market by direct mail to those 500 people. Take care of them and then use other time during the day to go hustle, get on the phones, generate new contacts, get new clients and turn those clients into your centers of influence and grow that 500 to 1000 to 2000 to 3000. That's the future of our business. We're going to work with fewer people and do more deals. That's how it's going to be in the future, in my opinion. 
All right. Well, that, uh, I don't think I can sum it up any better than that. So <laughs> I know we could talk about this for another 17 or 18 straight hours. So this, is, this has been a fun conversation, but now you guys have to run. So, uh, so Haas, let's turn to you real quick. Uh, why don't you tell people how they can take a step towards you and connect with you? Yeah, you guys, I've got something cool I, I want to help you guys with here. Um, and it's uh, a business plan. I want to give you a bit. I want to give you my business planning clinic. Um, and I think it'll help you out a lot. So here's what I, what, what I will help you with is if you, if you know where you want to be in the next 12 months, you know what, what the goal is, whether it be amount of units sold, GCI, whatever the goal is, I'll, I'll take you through this business plan. And what it'll do is we'll dissect it and it will reverse engineer what you need to do today to get to that goal. It's really good. I do it. Um, I, I've done it every year for many years. People love it. It, it helps provide clarity on, on where you want to be in the next 12 months. So a couple things. I want you to uh, go to, you can go to hossprat.com, uh, my website. You can see it there on the main page. It's H-O-S-S-P-R-A-T-T.com. Download it. Just put in your email. It'll give you uh, instant access to this business plan. takes about an hour to go through it. It's about seven or eight pages of a business plan. So print it off. I'll take you through it. The other thing I want you to do is, is, is to prepare for that. Go back the last five years. Write down, let's say five years ago, what was it? 2011, right? So 2011, write down two, in one, on a sheet of paper, 2011, how many units did you sell? What was the GCI? 2012, how many units did you sell? What was the GCI? 2013, how many units? GCI, 14 units GCI. Go back five years. If you haven't been in real estate five years, go back as far as you, you know, you, 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 as long as you've been in the business. But here's what I want to look for. That number should be going up every year. And that number should always increase. And as long as we're focused on growing and we have a growth mindset, not a fixed mindset, but a growth mindset, one that your business is always healthy and it's always growing, that number should always be increasing. If it's not increasing, I would challenge you uh, to ask you why. Why does that number not change? And it's most of the time because you haven't changed. So let 2017 be the year that you decide to change, step it up and get out of your own way and to crush that goal. And, and that's my advice. And, and I can help you by helping you go through a business plan. You can go to hospratt.com to do that. Perfect. And then Greg, how about you? How do people take a step towards you? Well, you know, hey, listen, I tell you what, you you know, Matt, that, that this uh, podcast here that we're doing with Century 21 is just really nothing more than a contribution back to the real estate industry. I personally just, um, I, I can't, uh, sometimes I can hardly imagine, you know, how much this real estate agent, the, the real estate industry has given myself and my family. It's just been a, an amazing journey. And really, I'm just committed to giving back to those that have, have supported me in the past. So, you know, if you ever want to reach out to me, Greg Harrelson at gmail.com, just a simple email that you can kind of reach out. I answer a lot of emails and I get a lot of questions. So I welcome anyone to, to do that. And at, at uh, and all I request of you all is to continue to stay, uh, stay in touch with this podcast. I'm going to have more guests. On, on, on here. And we're going to do the same thing that we did here today, which is really just more of have a conversation. We never know where these conversations are going to go. This is not a planned podcast where we've got a series of questions that we're just going to ask every single guest every single week. It's never going to be that way. It's probably going to be Matt's just throws something out and then me and the guests just start rapping and who knows what kind of nub nuggets are going to come out of our mouths. And that's, uh, that's what uh, my commitment is to you also. If there's anything I can do, reach out to me, but more important, just stay tuned and, and, and get engaged with us. Excellent. 
Awesome, guys. Well, Haas, thank you so much for uh, for joining us today. This is a great conversation. I appreciate it and appreciate your time. And thank you, everyone else, for uh, for watching, listening, whatever the case is. So if you're not already subscribed, make sure to subscribe on the show here on YouTube. Or if you prefer the audio version, head on over to iTunes or Stitcher, depending on your device, and subscribe to the version there so that you always get the latest episodes from the show. And once again, guys, thank you so much. And everybody that's uh, out there, we'll see you on the next episode. Thank you.